Welcome to another episode of the Bookish Dreamers podcast. And last week we got started on carefully reviewing the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Powerful Lessons in Personal Change by Stephen R. Covey. We touched on part one and two, where we discussed principles, paradigms, and the first three habits. Today, we are going to do this course in part three. Before we dive in, let's talk about the emotional bank account, EBA. And according to Stephen, this is a metaphor that describes the amount of trust that's been built up in a relationship. Hmm. So let's just suppose Mr. A makes deposits into Mr. G's EBA through C consideration, kindness, honesty, keeping commitment, while Mr. B shows the Scotsy disrespect, ignoring, threatening, and even betraying Mr. G's trust. What do you think happens? Mr. A evidently built up a reserve with Mr. G in Mr. G's account. Mr. B, on the other hand, has to be very careful of everything he says, and etc. And so if a large reserve of trust is not sustained by continuing deposits, any relationship will fail. Trust is a big deal. The workplace is not excluded without trust between employers and employees. Organizational goals will not be easily achieved. And if you're already in a bad situation, maybe with a friend, colleague, partner, know that quick fix is a mirage. Building and repairing relationships takes time. And if you then become impatient with maybe their apparent lack of response or their seeming ingratitude, you may make huge withdrawals and undo all the good you've done. Let's talk about six major deposits, according to Stephen, that builds the emotional bank account. The first one is understanding the individual. This is really important. You don't know what constitutes a deposit to another human, to another person, until you understand that individual. We are all different and our perception of deposits will differ. It just reminds me of the different love languages. Someone might be into acts of service while you as a person thinks that, okay, because I love people spending quality time with me and then you're just hanging around them all the time doing nothing and you feel like you're making deposits, but in the end, they are not perceiving it as that. Sometimes you might think you're investing, making deposits, and the recipient doesn't even see it at all. You're not speaking their language. We interpret what constitutes a deposit based on our own needs and desires, either now or when we are at a similar age or stage in life. And if the recipients don't interpret our effort as a deposit, our tendency is to take it as a rejection of our well-intentioned effort and to give up. Hmm. Let's take your family, for instance. The relationship between a father and son is not so good, or a mother and a daughter is not so good because the mother has certain ideals of what a lady should behave like. And the lady is a free-spirited, tomboyish individual. Maybe the mother reads, well, comes across this kind of instruction and decides that she's going to change the approach and pamper that child will love. And then after some attempt, the child is not accepting it because they're even suspicious. Why are you all being nice to me? I don't trust you. 
Building and repairing relationships takes time. Attending to little things, we should know that the little kindnesses and courtesies are so important. And that small discourtesies, little unkindnesses, little forms of disrespect make large withdrawals. In relationships, the little things are the big things. They are the big things. And this is the second major deposit, attending to little things. Even within the most toughened and callosed exteriors are the tender feelings and emotions of the heart. Your little things that you might be doing that is making large withdrawals in your relationship. Pay attention. The next one is keeping commitment. Keeping a commitment or a promise is a major deposit. And breaking one is a major withdrawal. Do not make promises you won't keep, especially to your kids or employees, even to anyone. It's not necessary to make a promise. And then when you do make a promise, make sure it's something that you can fulfill. Your employees, you, you tell them they're going to get a raise or, or there is going to be an event that everyone is looking forward to a particular year and then you skip it. You say the budget can't cover it or your friend is moving out of a house, moving into a new place. They need someone to just help supervise the setting up of things and you say, oh, I'll be there. And then you don't show up. They get to their new place and everywhere is just in disarray. Look, it's not nice to tell someone you'll be there and you don't show up. And when they ask you what happened, you tell them, Oh, I forgot. Or I got engaged with something else. That's a no-no. And if this is a habit for you, you, you do it over and over again. You lose trust. They no longer trust you. That's definitely a withdrawal. You know what? Constant withdrawals without deposit does to a bank account. Very soon you'll be in the red and they'll lose all the respect and trust they have for you. And trust is a major foundation for building any relationship. So this might be a reason why you lost or you're losing that relationship. Check it. There's another one of clarifying expectations. Hmm. Unclear expectations in the area of goals undermines communication and trust. Imagine the difficulty you might encounter. Let's use the workplace. You and your boss have different assumptions as to what role you're meant to perform. You're new at work. You do not know what your job description is. And then you ask your boss and, is, and he tells you he has been waiting for you to tell him what your own role will be. So clarifying expectations, the deposit is to make the expectations clear and explicit in the beginning. And this takes a real investment of time and effort, but it saves great amount of time and effort as well down the road. Make your expectations clear in your relationships, not just in the workplace, between partners and friends. Then there is showing personal integrity. Personal integrity generates trust and is the basis of many different kinds of deposits. And a lack of integrity can undermine almost any other effort to create high trust accounts. And integrity includes but goes beyond honesty. There was an example that Stephen gave that in a bid to build a relationship, for instance, and then you told someone, something someone else shared with you in confidence and then you tell that person i really shouldn't tell you this 
but because you're my friend. Would betraying another person's trust build my trust account with you? Or would you wonder if the things I have also told you in confidence would be shared with others? That is actually making a withdrawal, not a deposit. Things told you in confidence shouldn't be used as a raw material for building trust in your relationship, really. And then there is also apologizing when you make a withdrawal. When we make withdrawals from the emotional bank accounts, we need to apologize. And we need to do it sincerely. Great deposits come in the sincere words like, I was wrong. It's a reality that some people find it very difficult to acknowledge that they were wrong. It's said that an African parent would never, ever tell you that he or she was wrong. And they will try to make up for it, picking you out. You know, but they would never acknowledge or say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But this shouldn't be. You need to be able to acknowledge when you're wrong. There are others like, that was unkind of me. Maybe he said something you shouldn't have to a colleague, for instance. In the heat of the moment, you should be able to tell them, that was unkind of me, I'm sorry. To be a deposit, an apology must be sincere. It must be sincere. You, you can't just say, I'm sorry, and expect them to accept that. They're not begging for it. And re repeated apologies might be interpreted as insincere, therefore making it a withdrawal rather than a deposit. So let's talk about habit four. Think win-win. Principles of interpersonal leadership. Win-win and the alternative paradigms. Let's just talk about all of those briefly. Win-win, of course, is a frame of mind and heart that constantly seeks mutual benefits in all human interactions. We can call that symbiosis. And win-win means that agreements or solutions are mutually beneficial, not parasitic mutually satisfying and with a win-win solution all parties feel good about the decision and they feel committed to the action plan win-win is a belief in the third alternative I, I love how that was put it's not your way or my way it's a better way a higher way the next one is win-lose this is an alternative to win-win this paradigm suggests that if i win you lose and in leadership style, win-lose is the authoritarian approach. I get my way, you don't get yours. And win-lose people are prone to use their position, their power, their personality to get their way. And then there's lose-win. This one simply says, I lose, you win. Go ahead, have your way. Step on me again, everyone does. I'm a peacemaker. I'll do anything to keep peace. Lose-win is worse than win-lose because it has no standards. No demands, no expectations, no vision. People who think lose-win are usually quick to please or appease. In negotiation, lose-win is actually seen as giving up or giving in. In leadership style, it's seen as permissiveness or indulgence. And lose-win means being a nice guy, even if nice guys finish last. <laughs> and then there's lose-lose. When two win-lose people get together, that is when two determined, stubborn, ego-invested individuals interact, the result will be lose-lose. Both will lose. Both will become vindictive and want to get back or get even. And then there is win. 
Another common alternative is simply to think win. People with the win mentality don't necessarily want someone else to lose. That's irrelevant. What matters is that they get what they want. Then the final one is win-win or no deal. No deal basically means that if we can't find a solution that would benefit us both, we agree to disagree agreeably, no deal. No expectations have been created, no performance contracts established. I don't hire you or we don't take on a particular assignment together because it's obvious that our values or our goals are going in opposite directions. So which option is best? Which is the most effective? Well, the answer is it depends. Because if you win a football game, that means the other team loses. And if you value a relationship and the issue isn't really that important, you may want to go for lose-win in some circumstances. You might say, what I want isn't as important to me as my relationship with you. Let's do it your way this time. And there are other situations and circumstances where you would want to win. And you wouldn't be highly concerned with the relationship of that win to others. Most situations are part of an interdependent reality. In that case, win-win is really the only viable alternative of the five. Win-lose is not viable because though I appear to win in a confrontation with you, your feelings, your attitudes toward me and our relationship have been affected. What are the five dimensions of win-win? Character is the foundation of win-win and everything else builds on that foundation. There we have integrity, maturity, which is the balance between courage and consideration. And then there's also abundance mentality. That paradigm that there is plenty out there for everybody. That the sky is big enough for birds in the sky to fly without colliding. But most people are deeply scripted in what is called the scarcity mentality. They see life as having only so much, as though there were only one pie out there, and that if someone were to get a big piece of the pie, it would mean less for everybody else. The scarcity versus the abundance mentality. It is a very broad subject. For those with scarcity mentality, it's almost as if something is being taken away from them when someone else receives special recognition or has remarkable success or achievement. Although they might verbally express happiness for others' success, inwardly, they are eating their heart out. To them, only one person can be number one. To win simply means to beat. And people with a scarcity mentality also harbor secret hopes that others might suffer misfortune. Not terrible misfortune, but acceptable misfortune that would keep them in their place. Really. <laughs> Remember talking about the five dimensions of win-win, we started with character, but we also have relationships, agreement, we have systems, because win-win can only survive in an organization when the system support it. If you talk win-win but reward win-lose, you've got a losing program on your hands. That's a very deep one. And then finally, there are processes. Stephen 
and at the end of this chapter suggests an application identify three key relationships in your life give some indication of what you feel the balance is in each of the emotional bank accounts write down some specific ways you could make deposits in each account wow that one is one worthy exercise it might help you fix some some valuable but broken relationships Thank you very much for listening once again. Do well to subscribe and share. See you next week Wednesday at 6.30 a.m. WAT. Yostrili. Amos.